You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Welcome to Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on episode 12 of Quarantine and Chill, the podcast within the podcast of Disability After Dark, where I sit down with disabled people and talk to them about their experiences during the pandemic and what being disabled during COVID-19 has been like for them. And I'm really excited to bring you another one of these episodes. Um, These are really some of my most fun episodes that I've done because they get to pivot a little bit away from sexuality and focus more on the experience of being disabled, which is something that I'm really, really gravitating towards right now. And I kind of like it. It's serving me quite well. So I'm excited to bring this one to you. So get comfy, cozy, crippled, and quarantined, and let's get this one started. Just a reminder that if you want to be a part of Quarantine and Chill, you can email me directly at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com using the subject line Quarantine and Chill. Tell me a little bit about your disability, a little bit about what you'd want to talk around the pandemic and COVID, and we'll get you in for our bonus Quarantine and Chill episodes every Friday on the podcast. But now, let's get started. For the episode today, I sit down with a good friend of mine, someone that I have been following professionally for a couple years, and we wanted to talk to each other about stuff and about things, and so so I was like, COVID's a great opportunity for us to do that. So I sit down with my friend, Marco Pasqua, who is an inspirational speaker and motivational speaker around disability um, in... British Columbia, and we sit down and we have a really interesting conversation, not only about COVID, but also about the way Marco uses language to describe his experience of being a person with disabilities and why he uses person with disabilities rather than um, disabled person. And I thought that was really important. He also speaks about his relationship with his wheelchair and his relationship with his is having cerebral palsy, and we had a really cool chat about that. I really, really enjoy this because a lot of the times when I would meet people who had differing views from me on what disability meant for them or what being a person with disabilities meant for them or the the particular language they used, I would feel uncomfortable and awkward within my own internalized ableism of how they were seeing themselves. And with Marco, his positivity around disability was not a detriment to him or to me during the the conversation. It was actually really empowering to hear him speak about disability in a completely different way from me, but a way that made him feel good and happy, especially during these times. And then, of course, we shift to COVID and we talk about how his experiences as a motivational speaker have changed and shifted due to the fact that COVID has hit and how he has had to move all of his work to a digital platform and what that means for him. We also talk about how the fact that he may have had COVID at some point and, you know, what that may have been like. He, he's not sure, but there was a point in our conversation where he thought he, he says, oh, I might have had it because I got sick for a good long time there. So we have that chat as well. We talk about, you know, how positivity can help us through right now, especially for disabled people. We also talk a little bit about Marco's experience being a person with disability and also living with depression and anxiety during, you know, COVID and all these things. So there was a lot of stuff that went on in this interview. It was really fun to chat with him, and I'm excited to bring you another episode of Quarantine and Chill 
right here on the Disability After Dark podcast feed. Shining a light on all things disability. Awesome. Okay. So I'm going to pretend to be professional in three, two, can you, can you, okay, I'm recording this, but whatever. Can you pronounce, sure. can you pronounce your first and last name? Yeah, it's Marco Pasqua. Pasqua? Okay. Yeah. So Marco Pasqua, hello. Hello. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming on Quarantine and Chill, uh, yes. a part of Disability After Dark. It's so nice to finally talk to you. You and I have been following each other's work now for some time. Yeah, it's been it's been quite a while, but I think you know it's kind of funny. We hear in these commercials that this uh, this pandemic is what's bringing people together, and it actually is bringing us together. Although you're on the other side of the country, and I'm I'm in uh, uh, in the Pacific Coast, um, you know, I think it's really cool that we can finally connect in this way and and relate to each other because hey, this is a time to really get to know people better. It's true. It's true. And I remember, like, I don't remember how we. I don't remember how we connected, but I remember hearing about your work through, through something disability related, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool! Like, it's always nice to meet other speakers." And I know you do speaking, which, which we'll get to. To but could you, for the audience' sake, and just so we know who you are, can you introduce yourself to us and let us know who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Marco Pasqua. I'm an inspirational speaker, accessibility consultant, and entrepreneur, and I happen to have cerebral palsy. Uh, my specific uh, CP is actually spastic triplegia. So it affects uh, my two legs and my right arm. So my, my left arm is the only limb that doesn't seem to be affected. Um, and, and yeah, I love what I do. I've been doing my work as a, a, sp- a speaker now for, well, pretty much my whole life, but professionally speaking, almost nine years. But uh, I've been speaking for not-for-profits and other disability-related advocacy groups uh, for basically my entire life. So I'm uh, 34 now, so that's it's quite some time. Wow. And did you did you just kind of decide to, to get into speaking? Or is it kind of like what I did was like, oh, no, there's no jobs. I better figure out something. I can speak great. The, uh, the universe sort of forced it on me. So uh, as I've said in other interviews, uh, I actually didn't start out with a degree in any sort of being a speaker. Uh, I actually have a degree in video game design. So I actually started out in the video game industry and uh, I was working in the game industry for over five years. And in 2010, the recession hit pretty hard uh, in that industry. And actually I was laid off due to a lack of work at the time. And that was the best thing that could ever happen to me because my girlfriend at the time, my now wife, uh, she was super supportive. In fact, she wasn't disappointed at all that I lost my job. She was thrilled because she said, finally, this is going to be the catalyst to launch you into what I think you should be doing. And that's inspiring people and doing it full time. And so with her support, I launched right into it. That's so cool. And like, I, I kind of did it similarly in, in that I didn't have a job after school. I had no prospects. And I was like, well, I have two main things I can talk about being queer, being disabled. I can do that. That's like, I guess that's my job now. And so that's literally how it happened. So similarly, similarly to you, like I know the, the kind of like having to, okay, got to turn this whole, this, just this idea into a job. Um, um, and so your disabilities, as I think you said, they're, it's mainly CP. Yes. And so other than it being, um, you said spastic triplegia. Yes. How does CP affect your life? Well, I'm a manual chair user. So I use a manual wheelchair to get around the majority of the time. I can walk, but short distances. Uh, I don't really walk very well without support. I had a, something called a tibial rotation uh, when I was 13. Uh, where they broke both of my legs to turn the tibial bone so that my feet would be pointing straight outward. And as a result of that, I was in a cast from my hips to my ankles on both legs for three months. And I lost a lot of my muscle growth, especially at the time that I was 13. So I was just a growing boy, you know? Yeah. And, and so all I actually used to walk better than I do today when I was uh, 12 and under. Uh, and after that surgery, it kind of made things a bit worse. Although my legs are now straight and pointing in the right direction. Um, that really was something that was difficult to climb back from. But to be honest with you, I choose to use my manual wheelchair. People often say, well, you could have strengthened yourself and used a cane or crutches or things like this. 
to be honest, I actually am actually quite proud of my wheelchair. It's an extension of who I am as a person. And it actually helps to spark conversations with people. And I'm not afraid to have those conversations with people. So the fact that, um, you know, I use a chair is just like, hey, I also wear Air Jordans. You know, it's, it's an extension of who I am as a person. And that's, that's totally fine. And I think that's something that's so valuable for people to hear because I say it all the time. Like, I'm, anyone that listens to the show knows that I see that my wheelchair is important and I, I like being a power chair user. But I think it's really valuable to hear someone else say their wheelchair is important to them. And I just think, yeah. like, thank you for bringing that up because it's something that we don't hear enough. And it's so, yeah. like, anyone, so anyone who's listening who's like, oh, it's so hard for them in a chair. No, our chairs <laughs> are important to us. And yeah, it can be, we have moments where it's hard. Of course we do. But yeah. our chairs are, val- are are really big extensions of who we are. Um, one of the things that I didn't write down that I want to touch on because I think it's interesting. You sure. have a re- and this is before we get into the COVID stuff. Don't worry, the COVID stuff is coming. Oh um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure people can wait. I'm sure they've heard a lot of COVID. <laughs> yeah, the, don't worry. The, the, we'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. But let's we're just easing in right now. Okay. Um, good. You have talked a lot about the way you use language and when, and the language that you prefer to use is person with a disability. Yes. And I, cause I remember when I was putting all the stuff together and I was putting together like the packet for you, you had said like, Hey, do you mind using this language? And I'm just curious because language is so contentious. I think in our community, it's so personal and it's so um, for each person, the way they experience disability. So for me, I would refer to myself as a disabled person. Whereas with you, it's Absolutely. a person. It's a person with a disability. Why yes. do you why do you think the language for you is person with a disability? And again, no shade. I'm just generally curious. Like, what is? Oh it yeah, mean? no, no, not at all. And in fact, you know, I think that it's important for everyone to feel comfortable with whatever. And and whether you want to call yourself any other phrase, it, it I'm actually comfortable with that. And I think that's fantastic. For me, the reason why person first language is, it's probably because I'm influenced because I live in, in British Columbia. Uh, Rick Hansen is a mentor of mine, the man in motion, the guy that wheeled around the world uh, so many years ago. And uh, he's, a, he's a friend of mine and he's a mentor and he's somebody who really pushed the person first movement, movement here in British Columbia many, many years ago uh, because of the fact that I like to identify myself as a person first before my disability, although my disability is a part of who I am, at the end of the day, I'm just a person. My extended stance when it comes to labels, to be honest, and this is not to offend anyone, but labels don't matter. So you are more than welcome to label yourself anything. But at the end of the day, I think as long as you're a human being that is only out there to, uh, with good intentions, not to hurt anyone or not to put anyone down, that's where we should end it. Because I find that labels can be divisive. They can separate us in ways that they shouldn't. And, and so that's kind of an interesting thing for me. It's like, yes, I identify with a person with disability, but at the end of the day, if we wanted to throw it all out, I would be comfortable with that as well. And see, and that, and like, and my own personal stance is different from yours, but I, I sure. definitely, I, I respect, like, I respect that. And I think that it's important for each of us to like, and I, like, I love how you say, like, it doesn't matter what you call yourself, but for me, this is, this is what I prefer, what I need not absolutely even, not even prefer it's what i need and so i love how you kind of say like that because i think in even in our, in our disability centric circles we get so hung up on oh no you have to use this language and you should say disabled person and you should say this and like even i have to remember sometimes like, and so when you brought it up to me in, in our like pre-chat and stuff i was like oh yeah yeah i don't have the right to say that you should be called this it's you have the right to decide what you should what label you should use or not use so like That's I, right. I, I I appreciate that conversation a lot, and I'm also a little bit jealous that you're friends with Rick Hansen. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, no, you know, it's it's one of those things too. Like at the end of the day, I think it's about respecting people, and it comes down to intention. So everyone can identify with whatever they want to identify with. I will never throw shade on anyone for whatever labels that they want to wear. But at the end of the day, I think that why we're really here and the people that we meet is to make meaningful connections with people and so whether with that if that's with the ricks of the world or anyone else i think as long as they respect you as a human being first that's where the conversation can start yeah i totally agree and if you want to just tell rick that i read his book when i was like 10 years old and i was i was and i have to say i was genuinely inspired by his story when i was a little boy because i didn't have a lot of role models so i remember when i went to like the local library at like 
10 and my mom got me the Rick Hansen book and I devoured it within like a day and a half. And I remember just being really excited by his story. So if you talk to him, just say that Andrew Grizzle, who he probably doesn't know, says I, I will. I will pass that along. And, and not only that, I, I will say that for you and I both, uh, because you have cerebral palsy as well. Is that correct, Andrew? Yes. Yeah. So, so being guys with CP, I have to be honest with you, it's kind of a rite of passage to be accepted by the spinal cord injury community. It's a weird thing because I think that people don't know, if they don't know the disability community, there is somewhat of a hierarchy when it comes to disability. And I think oh, yeah. that the spinal cord injury community is kind of seen as the top of the pyramid, so to speak, uh, the rock stars of the community. Maybe it's because they're the individuals that knew what it was like to once be able. I, I don't know what it is for people's perception, but there is that. And so for for us, if you're not on the inside, you don't understand that there is this hierarchy of level of understanding and respect. So for a guy like Rick to trust me uh, with his brand and with his image, I do a lot of talking for the foundation and I, I travel the country a lot for the Rick Hansen Foundation and talking about their message and all those kinds of things. For him to trust me, a guy with CP, uh, to talk about the message of everyone everywhere and, and being accessible for everybody is a big deal for me. So like you, I totally fanboy out every time I see him no matter how much i see him well if hey rick if you're listening and pass this along to him if you ever want to come on this show and just talk let me know all right we'll do um, <laughs> um okay but let's let's shift to the fun part of today which is covid okay uh so as living as somebody with with a disability as a person with a disability um some of this for a lot of us is the new normal that that a lot of people are experiencing, but for a lot of us with disabilities, this is not so much the new normal. This just is an extension of what's already been happening. Mm-hmm. Do you kind of feel that way? And do you kind of feel like this is just an extension of what's happening or has it really shifted things for you? Well, actually, I think it's twofold. So I think that being a person with a disability uh, is actually trained me to be in isolation more than your average person. But then being an entrepreneur has trained me to adapt to situations on the fly quickly. So literally I was born to be through this situation because going through challenges as a person with a disability and um, the trials and tribulations of being an entrepreneur, I think is like the perfect mix of being able to understand what it takes. It has changed things dramatically because I normally do a lot more traveling uh, for work. Um, But it also means that it's busting open a door. And I'm sure you've had other guests on the show or other people with disabilities talk about this, that remote work is something that people with disabilities have been screaming for. for oh, decades. yeah. And yep. companies are like, we just don't have the capacity to do this. But then miraculously, within the first three to four days that they were saying, we got to stay in our homes, all of a sudden companies had abilities to do remote work. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? So I think it's a really good thing. I do a lot of talks in the HR, the human resources space out there. And they're realizing that it doesn't actually take a lot to make remote work possible. It's changing maybe some security policies and making sure that people uh, in general, but also people with disabilities have the right adaptive equipment with their laptops or any other equipment that they need. But then essentially you're opening up a brand new market for people who wouldn't have had access to jobs. You were talking about jobs earlier and how you couldn't find work. Wouldn't have been easier if they would have allowed you to say, do a meeting from your home office and be able to do some of the work from home because it's about capturing your essence and spirit as an individual, less about your disability. In fact, it has nothing to do with your disability. Yeah. And like, I now understand why you're a speaker. I get it. I got it. That whole speech, I was like, wow, there's a reason why you do what you do. And so oh, thanks, like, man. <laughs> we should, if ever we're allowed to travel again, we should definitely collaborate on something because it's like, I get it now. Um, I love that. Thank you. Um, do you, what my question was, can you, is there a sense of like comfort in knowing how to do this already? Is there a sense of like, you can relax a little bit because the whole world is scrambling, but you're like, man, I know how to do this. Yeah, no, actually there is a sense of comfort, but I'll be honest with you on top of my cerebral palsy, this may surprise people. And I, for many, many years, I didn't talk about it a lot because I thought that it would, it would work against me as a motivational speaker, but um, I suffer from anxiety and depression and it's been on and off for, me too. for many, many years. Yeah. And so being in isolation, uh, that doesn't help the depression aspect of things. So it's kind of like, I don't want to 
uh, undersell myself as a, as a motivator because I always find like a mechanic, you're always able to do maintenance on someone else's car than your own vehicle. You know what I mean? And I think I yeah. need that reminder. Uh, so being at home, has it been easier? Well, actually it's been good from this fact that my wife is also now working from home. She works for the city of Surrey, uh, at the, at the mayor, uh, basically with the mayor and at, uh, city hall. And she works as an accessibility and universal design specialist. And so the, the crazy thing is my wife does not have any form of disability or anything like this, but forever when this first started, um, she was required to still go into work every day because she was considered essential service to, you know, for pandemic planning for people with disabilities, that yeah. kind of thing. And now she's actually working majority of the time at home. And she has been, as I said earlier, my biggest cheerleader. So having her in my corner, literally in, in, in our home together, uh, it, it pumps me up every single day, which makes it a little bit easier. That's awesome. And I think that's, that's really like, so, so you have somebody you can, you're not alone because a lot of a lot of those with disabilities going through this pandemic are alone, save for a few home care workers or our, fa- our families or whoever's taking care of us. So yeah. to have somebody that you can like kind of have disability grief with, but also <laughs> like, you know, you can bounce them off or that's kind of that's awesome. Yeah, I think everybody needs that. And, and to be honest with you, I know because I have a lot of friends who do have care workers or are struggling in this moment. And that's why it's important that we still do the things like reach out. I, I'm not blind to the fact that it's important for me to call my friends because I have that additional support of having my wife with me, but remembering that they may not. And sometimes it's, it's nice to connect with somebody on a non-professional level. Cause even when you got your care workers on there, at the end of the day, they're still your employees, you know? Yeah. So you, you may develop friendships with them, but it's not the same. And so to connect with your friends in another way and in a way that um, reminds you of your roots and who you are as a person is, is crucially important. Yeah. Completely. Uh, and I think that's really awesome. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, Marco, what is the best and worst parts of social distancing for you as a person with a disability? Yeah, well, okay. So uh, one of the worst parts, I guess, is that in the times where I have been able to go out and kind of get some fresh air, uh, because in BC, we don't have this tight of uh, restrictions right now when it comes to I mean, obviously we have social distancing, but, um, but they definitely do encourage us to go outside and things like this. But if I didn't already get looks in my wheelchair, I get even more looks now. And I'm kind of every day wondering, is it because the person is nervous that they're going to get me ill if they come close to me or that because I have a disability now, that means automatically I'm a leper and I'm going to give them some sort of disease. But I've literally had people see me coming from down the hall and slam their backs against the wall like very dramatically as a way to give me even extra space as I'm coming down the wall. Uh, So that part is a bit weird uh, because I think that people just don't know what everyone's limits are and what they're comfortable with. Um, But the cool thing that I've actually found from the social distancing is that when you do see passers-by, when you do go check the mail or whatever it is you're doing for five minutes to step away, I find people are a lot more friendly. I find people are actually saying hello in ways that they wouldn't have before. I almost think it's because as humans, we crave social interaction. Yep. <laughs> and and that's the part that I'm seeing that is really interesting. It's uh, in one minute where it took a downturn for my work when it came to social distancing, because I'm used to being in public spaces very publicly and speaking on stages. But then once people kind of got their, their bearings and they got settled, they're like, well, maybe we can adapt some of these conferences to be virtual and maybe we can start having messaging around finding positivity because <clears throat> excuse me it's against my brand uh literally to to have a downturn of any kind of optimism and to be honest i don't like the fear-mongering if uh, you know i gotta say it's it fucking pisses me off man the fear-mongering that i see in the media about oh my god oh my god this and that yes we do need to be safe But at the same token, we also have to remember that there are a lot of positive things from this as well. And we can't live in fear our entire lives just because we don't have all the answers yet. Yeah. And I I agree with you there. And I think that as a person with a disability for myself, like, I think also the the fear mongering makes, heightens the idea that because I'm quote unquote vulnerable, that I could get sick and it, which then leads to me feeling like I might get sick, which then can lead to maybe me getting sick, which then, so I think, I think 
you're right. I think that we need to see more numbers of recovered. We need to see more numbers of not to be like overly positive, but to be positive in a way that is constructive for everybody else. Yeah, I think that if the only focus is on the death numbers and things of this nature, I mean, you are what you think about most in this world, right? So if you believe in manifestation, which I 100% subscribe to, uh, I believe that the more we think about these things, the more that we create, you just said, if you think about being sick, you're likely going to make yourself sick. And that's true for every human being on this planet. If you believe that, that's why placebo pills work. There is no magic behind it other than the fact that we are the magic. The human beings are the magic and if we believe that we can fix our body and that it's working it doesn't always work i'm not trying to say that it's always miracles i can't really think hard and pray hard that cp will disappear and tomorrow i wake up as a tap dancer but at the end of the day you know you got it you got to focus on what you can control and there's a lot more that we're not giving credit for especially in the media was that your just to, to was that your like hope when you were younger that you would wake up and see people be gone? Uh, I think maybe when I was younger, there was a lot of points of depression of like, why is this my situation? And then it became incredibly clear to me that that, that I'm on a mission. <laughs> you know, I'm here for a purpose, man. And and I don't care what religious denominations anyone is out there. I was raised Roman Catholic. I. Uh, but I don't consider myself religious today. I consider myself spiritual, which is totally different uh, because I think that the constructs of religion can uh, misconstrue people's uh, beliefs on themselves and the world around them. But at the end of the day, I truly feel like there is a higher purpose for all of us on this planet. I feel like we make choices or maybe we don't, but there are lessons to be learned. And I think that having this is my, is my calling to, to change people's perspectives on what truly is possible. That's great. That's awesome. Um, let's shift a little bit more to COVID for sure. a second. Uh, <laughs> sure. And let's, let's go down that, that sort of, hole. yeah, that sort of dark path with you just for a second. Um, if you, what scares you the most as a person with a disability about COVID? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. You know, go, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Well, you can answer that, but so yeah, what scares you the most about COVID? Uh, to be honest, what scares me the most about COVID is just the not understanding all of the things that make COVID, what, what brought COVID into existence? What really, what really sparked this? Because if, regardless of how it came into existence, it means that there are things that are, that could potentially come like this in the future that are even more hard hitting. And the thing that scares me about that is this second wave that they continue to talk about. So we might be, you know, led into this false sense of security. And then people are like, great, well, as long as I have my summer off, I'm good. And then we go back out there. And then, you know, what if the second wave is even harder? Like, for example, I mean, I've, I've gone through many surgeries over my life. I've had many different flus, bronchitis, all these things. Uh, but I'm a young, healthy guy. And I think that I will ultimately end up being okay. But because I have had bronchitis, there's this slight part of me that's like, uh oh, does that mean I'm more susceptible? And I heard you say when you were doing your Instagram live, uh, when I jumped on and you said the other day I coughed and I thought, oh my God, do I have COVID? And so you're probably like <laughs> me, a uh, massive hypochondriac. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, you're about right. Everything. <laughs> exactly. So, so I often think that way. My wife, she always, she always, I always drive her nuts because she goes, you know, if you just didn't think that every single thing that you had, if you have an itch on your arm, it means you have skin cancer or you have like, you know, all these things like, you know, you're your own worst enemy when it comes to this stuff. So I don't want to self-perpetuate COVID to become worse than it is because for all I know, I already had the virus, Uh, you know, earlier this year. I was really sick for about three weeks to the point where my my wife had to sleep on the couch because I was snoring so loudly because of congestion and yeah. respiratory issues. And it was, it sounded a lot like the symptoms of COVID um, now that I reflect on it, but then I was fine and I've recovered since and I haven't been sick since. So for all I know, it's already passed through my system and I have no clue. So I just have to continue to keep uh, the hope alive for people and show them that there's other ways in which we can approach this. But yeah, I mean, I know I'm going back to the positive, but that is what fear- scares me the most is the second wave, I think. Is there a part of, of your experience as a person with a disability, like, what do you think would happen to you if, like, maybe you've had it, but what if, if you for sure got tested and they were like, hey, Marco, you have COVID and you're also somebody with CP, what, 
what part of you is there anybody that would be would be how, how do you think that would look like for you as somebody with cp with covid uh, i mean i think i would just i would do what i would know best to do which is put myself in isolation for several weeks and and nurse myself back to health i think that you know yes there's the cp aspect of it but i i consider myself fortunate in the fact that um, a lot of my care and things of this nature, uh, I'm able to do on my own. So I wouldn't necessarily feel as though I was jeopardizing somebody else or that I would have to make any sort of special arrangements uh, of that nature. But at the end of the day, you know, I think that we're a lot, our immune systems are a lot stronger than we give ourselves credit for. And I actually think that it's, it's kind of weird that we're all being told to wear our masks and to disinfect everything because the more that we're disinfecting and wearing masks, the more that we're actually weakening our immune system because the good bacteria that protects us is not necessarily going to be around, uh, and which is what helped us to build up resilient to begin with. And I, I don't want to go down any kind of like conspiracy rabbit holes or anything of this nature, but I, I do think that there's a lot to be said when it comes to uh, ensuring that we are um, not over cleaning things and, and being overly, overly, overly protective because we've survived other things in the past as humanity. And if we want to survive well into the future, I don't think that disinfecting everything, including spraying our coffees with disinfectant is uh, really Are people doing thing. that? I didn't I know I have that. seen videos online, man, people going in drive-thrus with massive gloves on, reaching with a stick from a distance, spraying disinfectant before oh, they take their first sip. No, crazy, that's man. so much worse. Yeah, it's so much worse. I mean, you shouldn't be ingesting this stuff. And, you know, of course, there's various different things and, and people who are saying out there that we should do this or that. But at the end of the day, I think that it comes back to trusting our common sense as well. Yes, there are people in the medical industry that are out there for our best interests, but also don't just trust something blindly because someone says it's the right thing to do either. You know, use your of discernment, course. as I say. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um now we talked a little bit about your work and you and I are both speakers. And so my, all of my work in person when I would travel has dried up. I haven't done an in-person talk since the end of February, which feels weird. Uh, Cause yeah. it's now like, it's now by the time this airs, will be like the middle of May. So uh, that feels weird. How has COVID affected your, your work stream as a speaker? Yeah, in the beginning, it was actually quite rough. I mean, I would say I've been saying this is what I've been saying in other interviews, it's about 95% of my income was immediately impacted. Uh, uh, but I was like, okay, well, let's just see in the coming weeks how it goes and, and things didn't seem to be letting up. And so I, I reached out to some of my extended network contacts and said, hey, look, you know, I may not be able to speak on a stage for you, but you know that I'm also a writer and I can, I can do similar messaging in the writing that I do for blog posts and various things of this nature. And I got a really great amount of positive reception. And in fact, a lot of my events, if they were postponed, they were postponed to 2021, which is totally fine. And if they weren't, they were uh, converted to virtual. In fact, I just hosted a, uh, a gala called the stay at home gala last Saturday uh, from my office, from this office. And it was national, it was across the country. And we had speakers and uh, dragons from Dragon's Den on and various things like this. Wow. And it, was, it was really, really cool. And the fact that we were all able to do it under one roof and it was to raise money for um, various community foundations that are supporting small businesses and other people impacted by COVID-19 um, is kind of cool because literally I only found out about it four days before the event was happening. And they were just like, do you want to MC?" And, you know, it's just one of those things you just got to trust the universe and say like, this is why this is what's calling to me right now. And so it's been, it's been good, man. It's been, it's been okay. It's not been as boisterous or as, as much free flowing as far as work is concerned, but right. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Good, good. And I, I like, for me, I get most of my work is shifted. Most of the stuff I'm doing is digital. Most of my work has shifted from like in, in person to like, hey, I can do a tweet thread. I can do a Zoom call. Like I can do, I know how to do all that. Like it's really shifted. And part of me loves it because as much as I love traveling, I also love sitting in my pajamas at home and not traveling. So yeah, it's, it's business from the top, uh, from the, uh, it's, it's like a, what, you, what do they say? It's like a mullet for, for your life, right? So you've got the 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 party from the waist down and the business from the waist up. Is that's that right. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm basically my PJs and shorts in the bottom and I look professional all the time. There we go. Um, 
So that's exactly how I've sort of been approaching it. And you know what, like more people need to know about your work though too, specifically Andrew, because I think like your, um, your ability to be authentic and have a true voice and what it is that you speak about, I, I have find refreshing and really, really uh, is a really great thing. And you know, your, your, your following is nothing to scoff at. So I think that if anyone out there doesn't know of you, if they're listening to this, they obviously do know of you, but if this does translate over into other, other audiences, I think more people need to follow what you're doing too. Well, I appreciate that. I think, I think, you know, and it was so fun. It's so funny that we are talking because when I first, first heard about you, I'll be totally 100% honest. You sure. were so positive And I remember being like, nah, I don't know if I agree with all the things he's saying. And I remember being a little <laughs> bit, not necessarily turned off with what you were saying, but I was so like, I was in a different headspace at that point. That's so I remember fair. hearing your work and being like, nah, he's too happy. Like, <laughs> I don't enjoy his happiness. And after, after talking with you, for this last little bit, I'm like, I, I see where it comes from now. And I've learned over the last, I would say a few months that, yeah. that the, that being sharing positivity in the disability space is really important because we don't do that enough yeah. and we don't, it's really, I can be pissed off and angry about things and I can vent that. And that's a lot of what my brand has been, but I'm learning to, take a page from the positivity book and they're like, it's okay to be mad, but how are you mobilizing that anger? What are you doing with it exactly. to turn it into something that doesn't, that it doesn't stop your day. That doesn't make you feel like you're less than like, and I'm so in listening to you speak today, like, and what, and it's totally changed the way that I, I viewed you up until now. Like, obviously I thought you were great, but this is, it's just given me a different perspective of like your positivity is important because I think people that hear you, talk about that as a disabled person it may or sorry as a person with a disability it may change how they view people with disabilities yeah. like if, if he can be happy about it but talk about it with an authentic voice maybe i won't see him as less than now Absolutely. And I think actually, regardless of what person's perspective is, um, coming at it from authenticity, you nailed it on the head. That's my whole thing is um, speaking authentic to who you are, to who your nature is. And I know that sometimes people um, look at, you know, some of my energy and they go, man, that guy is really positive. But I look at myself as more a realist than, a, than, uh, than strictly an optimist. I really try to dissect situations and see how best we can do it. Because at the end of the day, we can be crabby about where we're what we're going through and not every day you're going to have great days but you know that's what makes you a human being and that's okay yeah. right it's it's okay but i always tell to my friends who choose to take the strictly advocacy ro uh, road of rah 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 i have to stand on a soapbox and speak for people with disabilities and fuck you if you don't agree with me and all this stuff okay that's great but you realize you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar yeah. right yeah and I you, you know you, there's a balance so it's about being smart and i'm not trying to insult anybody but it's not that i don't have those feelings too but i also know how to lend and bend people's mm -hmm. ears mm -hmm. right? I, I i have to agree with you 100 i was in a headspace six months ago where I was listening to all the people that do activism from a place of anger and a place of discontent. And I get it. I fully understand where they come from. We've all been there. I understand exactly where that anger comes from and it's valid and it's real and it should be expressed, but it wasn't making me happy and I couldn't understand why. And I couldn't understand why I was doing disability activism and I was putting out all the tweets and everybody was following me and I was getting good traction and people seemed to like that. But then Andrew wasn't happy. And I was like, well, why am I not happy? And I realized that I would be much happier if I gave expertise to non-disabled people who didn't understand disability in a way that didn't shoot them down for not understanding and didn't, didn't admonish them for not getting it, didn't treat them like they were less than because they didn't understand. And so I shifted all in December, December, January, I shifted my whole focus to not treating non-disabled non -disabled people like they were like they were automatically enablist because they tried something different. Like mm -hmm. they were automatically an asshole because they said the wrong thing. I tried to shift it from, wow, you said something kind of ableist. Let's unpack that together. Let's talk about that. Where did that come from? Why did you like, why? Instead of it's literally the dictionary definition of ignorance, they just don't know, right? They're yeah. not going to know unless we open up to them about the world. I mean, the same could be said for any marginalized group until they had somebody that was willing to say, all right, I'm willing to listen now. What do you have to say? And let me, let me see if I can change your mind about something. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I really commend you for 
putting the positivity out there in that way that again isn't it's not that you're always happy and i i, I think this is the most important part you're not always happy and that's yeah. and many disabled people are not always happy but it, it it goes the same way of that you don't have to be always angry either and you don't have to like lean into the angry disabled trope that everybody already thinks we're doing and you as a person with disabilities don't do that and i you know having spoken to you for this past hour is really it's really changed my perspective on the work you do and i'm i am really happy that you wanted to sit down today uh, me too i i've this has been a really really cool experience and i i feel like i needed to learn a little bit more about you and your work as well because i think like your openness with your sexuality and stuff when i first learned about you if i had to be honest it it caught me off guard as well it, there was no reason or nothing that i had a problem with it at all it's just it's far more open than i am about my about my escapades and sexuality and all those things yeah too. so i had things to learn as well you know well, um, and it's because, and I, I approached you like a couple of years ago and I said, you want to come on the show? And you were like, yes, but yeah. Like, and so I'm glad that we were able to, to talk about it this way because like such being as open as I am about my sexuality is not your brand. And so it's nice that we were able to find a way to connect. And I think too, like my openness about my sexuality and what I do, not that I have tamped down, but I think I've learned to remove the shock and awe from the conversation and okay. um, replace it with like, I still like to be cheeky and playful. Of course. That's but, part of who you are. That's your personality. But I think that the, that less shocking and more like, okay, let's talk about this in a level head also so that I can do more of what you're doing. Like I like that you're able to, to go into a corporate space and do talk like that. Whereas before when I was just doing sexuality, I would, pitch myself to corporate offices and say, I can do a talk for you. And they look at my website and go, yeah, that's all. That's really nice. <laughs> but you know, it doesn't match with what we're doing. So learning to, to, again, not to censor myself, but to pick the audiences where my blatant sexuality was the best spot yeah. and being able to use other gifts I have for other audiences. And I'm sure you have many, my friend. I'm sure that, yeah, I, and I think it's actually more of a gift now that you've been able to adjust your brand to a degree that allows you to open up new doors to audiences that wouldn't potentially, again, we're going back to that ignorance thing. They wouldn't have potentially looked past some of the initial branding on your website to learn who you are as a person, who I believe at your core is an amazing individual and has a ton to offer and is a, a great conversationalist and interviewer. So, well, thank you. Um, this we could we could stroke each other's egos all day long um but since we're not going to do that what advice would you give to people with disabilities right now who are going through the pandemic and who may be feeling like they want a word of comfort from a fellow person with a disability and to yeah. guide them through what would you say to them i would say just trust the process in that this is actually an opportunity for all of us to awaken to what our potential is. Um, oftentimes, whether you were working or not, we get stuck in our daily routine and it's like rinse and repeat. You do the same things every day and you rinse and you repeat. This is actually what I've been calling the great equalizer. It's an opportunity for people to pause, reflect back on who they want to be as a person, maybe a challenge themselves to do things a little bit differently, discover something new. You don't have to rot your brain every day with just streaming services uh, of action flicks or any other kind of movies. You can also listen to audiobooks. You can also do mindfulness meditations and yoga. you can listen to this podcast you can listen to this very podcast you know but this is the content i'm talking about you want to digest the content that matters that gives you something that gives you hope that gives you a sense of being i think that oftentimes we're so indoctrinated by the sporting events and the emmys and the oscars and all the things that are pulling our attention when it comes to media um, that we don't get a chance to appreciate the time with our friends and our family. And maybe I've heard a lot from a lot of friends with kids, or sorry, I, yes, that's correct. Friends with kids, friends who are parents, uh, who are saying that this is their first time to now really connect with their kids in ways they couldn't before, because now they're in some ways being forced to homeschool. And well, whether or not they're equipped to be a homeschooler or not is one thing or another, but um, you know, it's about connection and it's about family. And so find the channels, find the things that speak to you and that can help you so that by the end of this whole thing, you can actually become the best version of yourself coming out of all of this. 
Awesome. And I think that's really, I think that's really uh, powerful stuff for people with disabilities to hear. On the flip side of that, what advice would you give to people without disabilities right now who are going through this for the very first time? And can you use some of your expertise as a disabled person to guide them through? Sure. Um, you know, I, I would say uh, when it comes to your interaction potentially with people with disabilities, whether or not you recognize the habit or not, because there's a lot of invisible disabilities as well, and I want to make that clear, um, remember to respect people's space. So even though you may have a certain uh, feeling about this virus and whether or not it's it's more lethal or less lethal than others, understand that, you know, you have to trust that um, you don't know everything about how other people feel about this. And so, especially when it comes to people with disabilities, don't just assume that uh, we are more vulnerable simply because you heard about that on the radio. We also don't want to feel as though we're throwaway population. So, oh, well, I don't have to worry about this so much because I'm not a person with a disability. I'll just keep my distance from people with disabilities because I don't want to make them sick. I mean, that's, first of all, a fallacy. And secondly, you just don't know that about the people. So, take the time to get to know to know people. And like I said earlier, don't be afraid to say hello to somebody in an elevator. I mean, even in my condo complex, there's a sign that's been ripped down several times that says only occupants living in the same residency one at a time. So essentially what they're saying is only if you're in the same home with someone, should you be in an elevator shaft with another person. And it's created some really awkward moments where you hit the elevator button at my condo and you open up and realize there's someone already in there. And I've actually said to people, do you mind if I wheel in here right now? And they say, well, are you sick? I say, no, are you sick? Well, no, okay, well then great. We've come to an agreement that we don't feel sick and now we can share an elevator together. So remember that you can still connect with people. You can still get to know new people and also take the time to maybe ask a friend or neighbor who has a disability if there's something that you can do to support them. I, we have found great uh, success in things like skip the dishes, DoorDash, all that stuff. In fact, I have had DoorDash drivers be really grateful that I called their service because they say, uh, if it wasn't for me calling them, they wouldn't have work right now. So yeah. yeah. So remember that the services you provide to people with disabilities, in fact, the local Earl's restaurant, in, uh, in fact, a lot of them are doing this, they're doing alternative grocery services. So as opposed to you shopping at say a superstore or a grocery market, um, you can actually order grocery packs from some of these larger uh, restaurants of like prime beef and things like this, and they'll deliver it directly to your home. A very smart way for them to pivot on some of these apps and say, we can give you steak. They are, they're even selling toilet paper for a dollar a roll. Wow. So, if, you know, so if you are having trouble getting into your local grocer because you're a wheelchair user or you use adaptive equipment and your hands are full, look to some of these, um, these apps and see if your local restaurants are also doing grocery delivery service because you may be able to get your crucial groceries sooner than if you're relying on just the the big brands out there that's really cool advice and i do love i do love how the local eateries are shifting to covid response i think it's really important um for sure uh this is a great chat and these are all, those are all the questions that i wrote down do you have anything you wanted any last things you want to say no i i would just i mean i guess if i wanted to give a final statement it's just I'm very, I feel very blessed that every single day uh, that I've had the opportunity to wake up and feel uh, revitalized and, and have, you know, a good health right now. And, and so being healthy and having a healthy mind is just as important as having a healthy body, everyone. So remember to, uh, to give yourself the time and the space uh, to give yourself meaningful breaks. Um, I think we are often thinking that we have to always grind, grind, grind and be at the computer and finding work and things like this. But remember that it's okay to rest your eyes, to close your eyes, to move on somewhere, to read a good book, to snuggle up with something, do whatever it is you need to do to feel 100 uh, mentally so that you can get there and 100 physically. And if you combine those two things, uh, we'll get through this uh, sooner than you think. And if you can't get there 100 visibly because of disability, you can totally still get there 100 mentally and that's fine. And that's it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, um, uh, how do people, uh, yeah. So, so this is, this is awesome. How do people get a hold of you? How can they follow your work? How can they book you digitally to do stuff? Sure. Yeah. Uh, easiest way to find me would be go to my website, marcopasqua.com. That's M-A-R-C-O-P-A-S-Q-U-A.com. 
and all my social media links and stuff are, are linked there as well. But then you can find more about me, some videos and things like that. And uh, look forward to connecting. And all of that will be in the show notes for this episode, episode 12 of Quarantine and Chill. This will be by the time this comes out. So holy wow. Um, wow. I know. I can't believe it's been going on for that long already. Uh, Marco, thank you so much for coming on today. This was so fun and so informative. And it was just really nice to connect with you. Yeah, so nice to connect with you again. And, uh, you know, anytime that we have an opportunity, man, feel free to reach out. Even if you and I just want to do like a, like a Twitter live or Instagram live, like I might just pop on in, in my I would love that so much. Like, yeah. that would, I think I would be really, I would really like to do that. And I've been meaning to do, like, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing Instagram lives, which I never do and I never follow through on. So if you want to, like, help me push one through, yes. I'd love to do it. All right. Well, let's let's surprise and awe the audiences out there by one day, just in the next couple of days, just popping on and having a conversation. I'm here for it. Um, this was so much fun. Thank you for coming on Quarantine and Chill today, and we'll talk to you so soon. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Okay, everybody. That's another episode of Quarantine and Chill. I want to thank my guest, Marco Pasqua, for coming on and being so open about his views on disability during the pandemic and his views on positivity and talking about how his work has changed and all those things. He's a great speaker and I'll make sure his um, contact information is in the show notes if you want to hire him to do a talk for you. Um, I just love doing these talks. I love doing these episodes, these kind of things that shift away solely from sexuality and disability and I get to do more different things on this feed and I'm excited to bring you more content through this feed as we move things along, but I'm really, really happy that you follow and listen and tell me what you want to hear. Um, Thank you so much. And these episodes around the pandemic really highlight how important it is that these voices get uplifted. So thank you for wanting to listen to this as well. It means a lot. And I get a lot of emails from people saying these episodes are really important to them. So thank you. And uh, I am again Andrew Gerza. This has been Quarantine and Chill Part 12. And we'll see you again next Thursday for our Thursday edition of Disability After Dark, where we talk about sexy things. And Friday for another Quarantine and Chill. Thanks for listening, friends. Bye. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Music was by music by Space Robot Scientists. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Notice 2020